Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. It's the 75th edition of the Square Ball Podcast. Welcome along. I'm here with Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie's back. Hello. Welcome back, Oddie. Thank you. Um, issue 7 of our fanzine went on sale against nobody um, because of Charlton's rather selfish cup run. We lost the home game. And they didn't even play. No, they didn't. And presumably, if they were in Sheffield, I don't see why nobody could have just arranged it. Like, just come up the M1, our pitch is all right. Fulfill the first fixture in the first place. And worry about Sheffield Wednesday later. And they've gone on to ruin the FA Cup. Because everyone was thinking, oh, Sheffield Derby. That's done as well now, Charlton. Thanks, you dicks. <laughs> but well done, Chris Powell, for jumping on the uh, crossbar. And Andy Hughes made a 90th minute appearance as well. Andy Hughes in a... Uh, this, is it the semi-finals now? What's the next round? Quarters, Quarters next. I don't know. I lost interest after we went out. But Andy Hughes in a... doesn't sound as good, does it? F- Andy Hughes in an FA Cup quarter-final. God, he's practically got his hands on the trophy. <laughs> Go on, Hughesy. Win it for Leeds. Anyway, that was issue seven of the magazine. That will be on sale at the next home game, provided we have one soon. If we ever play at home again. White watching. First match to talk about then is the victory down at Windswept Yeovil. They're struggling, and thankfully we came through in the end. They're more than struggling. They're bottom of the league and they're terrible, but they're good in the wind. I'm not sure their keeper would necessarily agree no. with that. Much like a kite. Yeah, it was... Pati- what, hi, he's saying he's on drugs. <laughs> Something happened to him. It was particularly boneheaded to spend the first half watching Paddy Kenny fail to get the ball more than about 15 yards away from his goal line. And then first minute of the second half, I think, oh, I know what I'll do. I know what will work. He might have died down a bit. All this grit flying in my eyes is probably from unrelated to the wind. Maybe it's something I put in my eyebrows <laughs> at half time. Um, yeah, and then Ross McCormack, if you give him the ball within about 40 yards of the goal and just say what can you do from here that doesn't involve any of your teammates there's a reasonable chance he'll score it's the second game in a row we've had that was uh, wind assisted as well because the Huddersfield match felt very much like a Sunday league game in the same way as this that you get to half time you're like we're only 5-0 we're only down lads we've got the wind <laughs> and the slope this half we can do them like, like school football or yeah exactly football. Yeah, yeah. Just, a dr- just a terrible standard and a, and a terrible standard of, uh, of goal as well like, pick from... these shots in lads pick them in yeah. <laughs> just shoot from anywhere test that keeper <laughs> There's also get Smith on as well. That was the other half-time tactic. 
Smith turned into um, a footballer briefly in this, didn't he? When he picked that pass and yeah. everyone went, fuck off. <laughs> and kind of ignored the um, 20 seconds he'd spent sort of trying to get the ball under control first. But then he played a lovely curving fl- through ball to McCormack that he messed up because he's not as good with the ball at his feet yeah, as Smith like is. Perlo, Smith. Mathieu, Smith. Poor little uh, Sam Byram. He was a little bit upset, wasn't he, during this? Like someone had stolen his bag of Harry Bone. Felt bad. So we just felt bad for him. He knew he had Quite it. rightly. I don't think it was a pen. I thought it was a pen. I think he and I think he knew it he was a pen. He thought it was a pen. Yeah. He was, he was cross with himself. And he had nobody to blame and he wanted his mum, basically. Mm-hmm. He was when I think it was one of those when uh, you see the highlights and the camera cuts to him and they just no, let's cut that from the, from the we can't show this. Pull away, pull to a wide shot <laughs> as he cries on the ground. Ishmael Miller did the right thing though and it's great I found a photograph on Instagram the next day of somebody outside the ground while the game was going on with the ball <laughs> which was absolutely superb thing to have yeah there's some great footage of them of him running up to take that penalty while all the Leeds fans are giving him probably the same abuse as they gave Viva Pitch before the game did everything they could to distract him how were Viva Pitch and how well were they I mean I was drunk at a wedding in Hungary at this point, so I, I missed without any sort of uh, data allowance on my phone and no Wi-Fi. I was completely in the dark until full time, and I really wanted to see Viva Pitch. The footage is on YouTube because when Yeovil Town, you pod, <laughs> when Yeovil Town Football Club has its very own girl band, you don't want that to go unrecorded. You can't really hear the song. What you can hear is the wind blasting against a microphone <laughs> and occasionally the wind carries chance of get your tits out for the lads from various directions and then you've got the four of them wearing um sort of tight and cut off versions of a yeovil home kit dancing on a tarpaulin do, do yeovil still playing hoops yes not the most flattering pattern hoops i mean how how did that work out three of them looked all right the mother looked a bit ropey <laughs> they are an odd an odd little bunch the um there's one kind of short blonde one who i don't think had learned the dance moves and that's what the most if you do go and have a look on youtube they are called viva pitch if you see what they've done there i'm not sure I even get it viva pitch it's like fever, fever pitch fe- yeah. that's, i knew there was something yeah and bless her she's she's not learned the moves so she's kind of looking at the others trying to catch up Failing to catch when you up. Google predictive search because I'm, I'm trying to get on Viva Pitch now. It predicts Viva Pitch, Viva Pitcher, Pitchfork, Viva La Vida, and Pitchfork, Viva Brother as things I might be searching for. So we'll see what's. All, all equally good names for pop groups. So we'll see what crops up. Oh, westerngazette.co.uk has got them. <laughs> I wish them well. I'm sure their career will only go from strength to strength now they've started at Yeovil's ropey ground in, the, in a storm. <laughs> yeah, there is one who looks quite a bit older than the others. I know exactly which one you mean. <laughs> the one, the one who's like, yeah. Oddy seems keen there. Look at him, eyeballing her. Well, that's little it. Mo. This is the second podcast in a row now. It's just me just looking at women on my phone. <laughs> Your wife will be delighted. Let's move on to Stephen Warnock then. Quick word about his goal. A hole in one. It I'm, was, wasn't it? We're not talking about Viva Pitch anymore, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> and other misogynistic jokes. He took a golf club out and just did what he did a who, metaphorical golf club we like to add for anybody who's not seen it who knew he had such a wand-like left foot he has tried to take some free kicks for us in the past like to shoot from and failed miserably and this one 
Um, he was trying to cross and failed miserably but scored. And ask, do you think he meant it? Did he fuck? <laughs> but his response of just sticking his hand up in the air and just going, yep, yeah, meant that, <laughs> was brilliant. I, I don't particularly like Stephen Warnock because... <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's not Luciano Becchio. <laughs> he's not Luciano Becchio. I think Luciano Becchio would probably be a more diligent left-back than Stephen Warnock and it's diligence is what he lacks. <laughs> Luciano would concentrate because he'd know he was out of his depth and he'd be kind of like, well, uh, I have to work hard. Whereas Stephen Warnock, there was always a kind of sense of like, he seems to be thinking about something else until Jason Pierce is practically like punching him around the back of the head saying, please tackle your winger. But I warmed to him watching him celebrate this like a, a cheeky swine. The trajectory of the, of the from the, the kind of camera that's pitch side, it's just a, a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. If you freeze that at any point before the last half second, it never looks like it's going to go in. It doesn't look yeah. even vaguely possible. And then somehow the, the gods just, just chuck it in the net. All the way through, it looks like any pass from the Neil Warnock era. And then right at the end, it turns into a goal from the Steve Warnock era. From Somerset to Sussex then, um, to the Brighton match on the Tuesday. I never got an answer about whether we just stayed down there. No. Were the lads just out, you know, going round town with Viva Pitch until David Sunday David. morning came round? David out with them. Yeah, David Hagen, the nightclubs of um, Yeovil and Brighton. It could have been a good time, and and obviously there would have been a training camp for them all to practice playing football at as well. So Brighton probably went as we expect it. Would that be the right assessment? Yeah. No wind, not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it was my assessment. I kind of like this game because it felt like losing to them one nil is sort of like exactly what Leeds United is supposed to do at the moment. We're not better than Brighton, not much worse. We could have drawn. They won. It's about what you expect. It's all right. Life goes on. At least nothing crazy happened. There was no wind-assisted goals. There were no girl bands. There was nobody sacked the manager halfway through. No, like, outrageous hat-tricks just, in just a run of, It was just a run-of-the-mill Tuesday night defeat, wasn't it? The yeah. Return, the return of Pew. Well, that was a little bit extraordinary. <laughs> if, we, if we're trying to single that out as a highlight of this match, I think we're probably in trouble for this game. I mean, we do, we do try and get at least five points down on our sheet to talk about per game. Mm. And we've managed... Uh, Sort of two and a half. Well, some of them go over two lines. <laughs> I think there was a Cameron Stewart thing as well. The loan deal where we sent him back. He didn't uh, play that yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, because you kind of stagger it so you can, we can get him up to yeah. the end of the season. Obviously, we don't need him for the playoffs. You wait. Would well, he, would he have been the the Bambi that made the difference? I think he would in this game. You think on Not what, really. on what no. evidence? What has he done in any of the games to think he would be the he difference against Brighton? He got kicked. When you did talk, he? We spoke about this last time. You hung your hat on him being kicked against... Against someone. Ipswich. Yeah. He was kicked beautifully. I've got absolutely no memory. Have we, you, what you, it, you referenced that as the the highlight of his Leeds career we so were playing, far. We were playing Ipswich. They'd just taken the lead because Paddy Kenny had jumped out of the way or something. And then he was running into the box, going absolutely nowhere, was probably about to go out of play. And the Ipswich defender, for some reason, just ploughed through his ankles. Where am I? <laughs> Who are all you people? And what are we doing? Oh, why can't I remember doing this before? I do remember now. It's the penalty. He won the penalty, yeah, didn't that's, he? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I get it now. Back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a penalty against Brighton would have been handy. Don't really matter in the end. So, um, Brian didn't... Well, what, there's nothing really to draw from this. I mean, what did Brian say at the end of it? Can someone do the... You do the Brian voice quite well. Moscow, you do that, please. Where we are as a team is where we are in the league. And where Said McDermott. <laughs> has this turned into what the papers say? Go on. <laughs> And where we are as a club as well. So he didn't seem to mind. It's like, he, he, me and Brian have the same attitude. We're like brothers. We like music. 
and other stuff. Guitar. So we've got a lot in common. Yeah. Um, and we both think that this result was just like, Meh. yeah. Meh. Yeah. Meh. It's the kind of thing that happens when you're going to finish mid-table is you either win, lose or draw against another mid-table team. Yeah. Or right. we'll beat a couple of others. We beat them at home. Well, with very little to say about this, let's try and eke something out of the nil-nil draw up in side. Third away game on the trot. Uh, go for it. A game with much more to offer than the uh, the Brighton match. There was that shot we had that went about only a yard wide. Murphy. It was a good shot. Well, it wasn't that good. It looked... His body shape on the replay was very good. I enjoyed watching the See, replay. His shot wasn't... Well, that far away. It was not close, though, was it? Um, it was as close as we got. He made the keeper dive. Right. Speaking of keepers, um, I guess we've got to single out Jack Butland for special attention. Good de- debut. Been a bit good. Yeah. yeah. We're not used to this, are we? No. I was really impressed. Not to say that Paddy Kenny's a bad keeper, but Butland seems to be quite good at his job. Taller too. I do like a keeper to be tall. And not tubby. <laughs> not a short ass, I was going to say. Be kind, be kind. Has anybody counted his eyebrows yet? How, <laughs> what's the situation there? I didn't delve too closely. Okay. You can tell you can tell not a lot happened in this game, can't you, really? I didn't know it was after the match that Jack Butland, when he was being interviewed for his Man of the Match trophy, said he'd done that save in the first half because Sky were there, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> angle. And I suppose at least he was trying to liven up a very, 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 very dull game. Hey, it's, like, it's, an, it's a form of entertainment, apparently. I liked how the Leeds players just um, gave solidarity to Kenny. And just kept peppering him with um, suicide back passes, <laughs> just keep him on his toes. We'll we'll yeah. we'll beat that bloody skill and showboating out of him. We'll yeah. we'll bring him down to our level. Don't you worry. Yeah, exactly. If he keeps just sticking the ball past Paddy, has to get a game back. And Paddy probably wants his appearance bonus being a son of war. Not never mind. I said nothing legally. <laughs> it's okay while he's on loan. It's when we sign him. That's when they come shit. That's not going to happen, is it? Of course we're, not. We're no. not going to be signing Jack Butland. Why not? Stoke don't want him. They got about seven other keepers who are all dead good. They got that one of the, the one. That other one, Begovic. Yeah. Begovic. There and you then Sorensen, who, who must yeah. be about sixty now. So there you go. So why do they need Butland? Quite a few other team changes in this game. Then Peltier in for Byram, who was injured. Uh, Wuton returning in for Lees, and uh, the prodigal son Noel Hunt in for Smith. Explain this. He's there. We're paying his wages. Why not give him not a good, pop? Not good enough. Why did Hunt play? And what what did he do? He looked all right. I mean, he wasn't bad. He won a few headers in the first half. I think we, we, are we not trying. Should but we try and, Matt Smith can win headers. We're trying to. Are you trying to identify a scapegoat here? Well, everyone's blaming Kebby and Stewart for everything, which is probably fair. The funny is that we didn't have any wingers, and now we've got some, and they do what wingers do, which is generally namby pamby around and try and run with the thing. Mm. and avoid getting involved in the dirty stuff. And everyone's complaining because they don't get involved. I watched Chris Waddle at Marseille, and he did all the namby-pamby stuff, and he also scored a lot of goals, and he sang songs and pulled funny faces. So I've seen neither songs nor funny faces nor goals nor end products. I suppose, has Keb, did Kebby score a goal? I can't remember. Huddersfield. Yeah. I've got in front of me the Leeds United annual and a little insight into Noel Hunt. Main interest outside of football. I like a bit of golf. I'm horrendous, but I love it. Maybe it's the same with football. <laughs> Are there any other insights from our squad? Um, um, what's your favourite? This is all, there's a double page spread about Hunt. Is it all about Noel Hunt? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hit me with it. Give this might, hunt, yeah, <laughs> this might explain. Did you start out as a striker? Answer, no. I was a goalkeeper. <laughs> wow. It's all started to make sense. Isn't he only about five foot six? Yeah. Okay. Paddy Kenny school yeah. of goalkeeping. 
What are your biggest likes and dislikes about football? Winning is my biggest like. I don't care who scores the goals because it's a team game. Because <laughs> it ain't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> The news. No end in sight for the takeover then, gents. How are you all feeling about this now? Very positive. Yeah? No. Oh. I was going to say, what's the latest Football League statement? It ends with the words that it, they've put that date of the 13th of March on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they put the date of 13th of March on for their next meeting. They said, however, it might all get sorted out before then, and so we won't need to, uh, to talk about it. Things like, if all issues are taken care of, it's not going to happen. What issues exactly have been taken care of so far? Any? Dunno. No one knows. It's all a secret. Well, this enterprise loan has apparently been paid back, so that's all right. That's something. And we've signed lots of fantastic young players, so that's another thing. But who's paying for it? Why they're paying for it? What the implications are if they pay for it and then they don't get everything they thought they were getting when they paid? Well, biggest talking point of the week, possibly uh, arse on the internet. Well, that's all... And I'm not talking about Piers Morgan. Boom, boom. That's pretty much all we have really to fixate on as a fact. Because there are very few facts around other than Chilino is trying to buy the club and the Football League keep asking for more stuff. The only thing that we can say factually is that his daughter, Eleonora, who will give her name to the company that ultimately owns us if the takeover goes through, which is why she's relevant, was photographed in the East Stand. In the box, wasn't she? Just in front of the box. I am perhaps rare among heterosexual human males in not finding her particularly attractive however good photo I, good angle from that, um, from that shot yeah yeah and the, I, the I, damage I, wrought by her pete burns-esque face was not as prevalent i'm not that interested in it but you know like it's something perhaps primeval in man that is drawn towards such a shot well isn't it what a baboon does when it's trying to attract a mate it's kind of Gets, goes up into, in the East End? Goes into the East End, <laughs> leans on the crush barrier and waves its brightly coloured buttocks. <laughs> At somebody holding a camera. At somebody holding a Who did take that photograph, I wonder? Well, and, I, I tweeted at, I think it was the Irish male who'd referred to it as a selfie, and I thought, that's not a selfie, because yeah. you, you would have to have incredibly long arms that are not in shot to have been stood six feet away. A selfie is when you take a photograph of yourself, Did hence you, the name. She might have used a timer. She may have. She may have propped it up, set the timer, posed, put some filters on it, posted it to Instagram, and then when people started retweeting it and posting it elsewhere, gone, but I didn't want anybody to see it. Fuck and then off. delete her Instagram account, which was... I mean, you know, you can take a picture of whatever you want. You could perhaps dress up as Susan Boyle uh, with a, a bottle of an alcohol pop in a hotel corridor and post that on Facebook. It's entirely your business. You can't then ignore the fact that you own that photo. Has the arse made us a farce? Michael dressed up as Susan Boyle. <laughs> I think the the um, the reputation of the square ball has only been enhanced <laughs> by, the, by the existence of that photograph. What, what happened with that, Michael, just for anybody obviously who doesn't understand a, what the reference is? It was is. a fancy dress party and I went I went to Susan Boyle nothing and anybody who wants that. to uh, get up to speed with this what Google image search terms should they just, use just don't try and find it I could always put it as the artwork for this podcast <laughs> that would that'd be, that'd be an option just don't eh <laughs> you, you come over all shy now like Eleonora <laughs> no. now we see where she's coming from I didn't even put those pictures on someone else did it, it was, some big boys came and did it yeah. yeah so all we've really got to follow 
at the moment, in the absence of any other updates, is Eleonora's backside. Can we read it? I once saw someone on this morning who like read a backside in the same way as you can read a palm. And they were right. looking at Kelly Brooks and saying... If someone has that for a job? Yeah. It, it was only a photo. They didn't have a live. But yeah, they were An sort of, they, reader. They were like studying, you know, uh, how long she would live for and <laughs> how she may be a bit bashful. Things like that that you could read from. In the absence of any other updates, I suggest we find that woman and send her that picture. Let me get Phil Hay on the line, first of all, to add some sanity back into proceedings. You have a look for that whilst I have a chat to him. That all right with you? Yes. Good. Uh, welcome him along then, the chief football writer for the Yorkshire Evening Post and the bloke who writes about Leeds United, Phil Hay. Welcome along, Phil. No worries at all, Dan. So where do things stand with Massimo Cellino and this takeover at the minute? Essentially in the hands of the Football League, as it has been for probably a fortnight now. And interesting developments for them, slightly strange developments really. They've been more proactive, the Football League, in talking about this takeover than than they are with, with most takeovers combined. Um, it's not really their way to issue statement after statement, but I think they know how much scrutiny they're under. And I think it's a sign as well of, of perhaps how, how complex this is all becoming. But at the moment, as of the statement released yesterday, they are waiting for further information from Massimo Cellino from, from Gulf Finance House as well. Information which, as far as we can tell, relates to his funding, um, his financial plan for the next 12 months, which he, he has to outline to the league. And all the questions about how much money he's got, where the money is, whether it's clean, whether it's legitimate, all, all the usual checks that they do. It does still seem like he's going to pass the owners and directors test without a problem. So really, if his, if his money's kosher and it's there, again, you, you're struggling to see what could have struck this. But um, it is generally a, a fairly straightforward process and a, a fairly routine process. So clearly some work to be done there. But in saying that, the way that, that he's going on at the moment, the way he's operating and the things that are happening at Leeds make you think that in, in his head he, he thinks this takeover's a done deal. He's certainly acting like he's the owner, isn't he? I mean, I'll, we'll come on to that in a second if we can. I just wanted to ask you about the GFH angle in this. Uh, you mentioned that the Football League have requested information from them. Do you know what sort of information that's likely to be? Is that forward financial information or will it be something else? I would imagine so. The honest answer is we're not really privy to that, apart from the in general terms that, that it's the financial side of this that's that's being scrutinised. It is on the, the, the onus is on the club to provide the, the future financial planning and to really outline how Chilino is going to run the club, what, what's going to happen, how the club is going to be in safe hands for, for 12 months. It's a slightly odd test in that respect that, in that if 12 months down the line, things could go could go very pear-shaped. And Chilino would be free to, to let that happen. But I think essentially what the, the Football League are, are trying to avoid is someone taking over and then either taking the club into administration or, or running out of money within weeks or, or months. So I think that's that's pretty much what it will be focusing on. The, the nuts and bolts, we'll never know. It's, it, it is technically a confidential process. Very few people are talking about exactly what's going on. But there was a lot of focus initially on the owners and directors test and the, the question of whether Chilino's past convictions would let him past that. I think it's become pretty clear that this is a matter of finance now. And, and really, as I said, if he proves that his money's there and, and legitimate and will keep Leeds going in, in a stable manner for 12 months, then then really the club should be his, I think. What's the potential impact of this court case that he's due to be... Uh that's due to be heard on the 18th of March then, uh, the, the tax avoidance thing in Italy. Well, I can't say that I've had any indication from anyone that that, that is a pro, you know a specific problem or more to the point that the Football League are waiting for that to be heard and, and for an outcome to come around. It seems that it's a, a VAT bill relating to a yacht that he's bought, luxury yacht. 
he disputes the charges and I think he'll, will defend them pretty rigorous, rigorously in court. But obviously, if he if he was to be convicted of that, if it was uh, you know if charges were to stick and uh, and he was to get a conviction on the back of the court case, then then that might change things. But in saying that, I thought the statement yesterday seemed to imply not so much imply it said in as many words that if the information is forthcoming from him and and Gulf Finance House, then again, the, the deal will be done when it is. And although the, the Football League was saying that the, the matter should be discussed at a board meeting on on March the 13th, I have clarified that. And they're not saying that the takeover can't be done before then. Technically speaking, it can be if the, if the documentation's in place. But I do kind of wonder whether them including the date in the statement was, was their way of saying that perhaps they don't expect it to go through before then. I, I certainly don't feel the same expectation of a quick decision from their side uh, as, as I do from Chilino's. What you said then about the way he's acting, like he's acting like he's owning the thing already, spending the money. Uh, we've seen Connor Wickham come in today until the end of the season, uh, off the back of Jack Butland. I mean, fair to say he's funding that. Yeah, it's funny, really. I mean, there can be no other explanation. Nobody, again, has, has told us in you know in, in direct terms that, that it's his money that's being used for this. But they're a loss-making club leads. They're losing a fair amount of money every month. We understand that they'll lose about £11 million in this financial year. So there clearly isn't much cash there, Chilino aside. And, and it's been fairly obvious for a long time that the Gulf Finance House aren't putting big amounts of cash in either. I mean, the, the loans that have come from Chilino recently, um, and, and we understand that another one is going in to cover the wages for this month, are only the latest in, in quite a long line going back to the summer. There, there was one from Sport Capital and one from a couple of companies that, that David Haig controls in, in Dubai. So I don't think that, that minus this takeover or, or potential takeover, there would be any position to be paying for Conor Wickham for, for Jack Butland. For what it's worth, I'm not sure that the Butland deal will be hugely expensive. He's, he's on about £17,000 a week at, at Stoke and, and Barnsley paid around about £5,000 to take him during the first half of the season. Leeds will be paying more than that, I'm sure, but it's not a hideously expensive deal. And obviously they have shifted out Paul Green and, and Luke Varney on loan. But Wickham, I would imagine, is going to be fairly expensive and, and will cost a fair amount of money. And again... I just don't think that without Chilino there and, and without a takeover in the background that, that these deals would be happening. And there are other things too. I mean, we discovered today that the the loan owed to Enterprise Insurance from 2012, that was the loan that led to the, the winding up petition being issued against Leeds um, at the back end of last month. The money for that has been paid. Uh, the, the loan has essentially been fulfilled and, and, and the payments met. There are still a few outstanding legal issues to resolve there, so the petition does technically still stand and could be heard in, um, in the High Court on March the 17th. But I think on the basis that the money's been paid, that's likely to be withdrawn. And again, you ask the question, where's that money come from? And I, I can only see one answer. It, it has to be Chilino who's putting the cash up for this. And well, you know, on that basis alone, he clearly thinks that the club is his and he clearly thinks that, that this takeover is going through. Maybe that's what we need, a madman to uh, to pay the bills. I mean, yeah, very very possibly. I think I think it probably be fair to say as well that this money will be going in as as a loan. I mean, it's not a uh, you know not a monumental risk for Chilino. I think if his takeover was turned down, then the the money he's put in would would be owed back to him. Um, but that obviously raises questions as well. It, it's a club who are building up the debt. And and that's not a problem if they become Chilinos because obviously the money is his and, and he can deal with it accordingly. But if um, if his takeover doesn't go through and and they're then suddenly trying to find millions and millions of pounds to repay to him on top of the other debts that they already have, then it's a, a worsening situation. So, you know, perhaps from, from his point of view, he looks at this and, and thinks that the more he commits and uh, and the more he invests, the, the more he makes the effort to, to push the club forward, the more compelled the Football League might be to say that, that he is fit and proper, that he does have the means to you know to look after the club and, and that the takeover should be done 
I mean, what you touched on there, it very much is the elephant in the room, is the what if he doesn't pass. I mean, it would find Leeds United on a particularly sticky wicket financially, wouldn't it? Well, you do wonder whether there are any contingency plans in place. I mean, we've spoken a lot about the, the sort of rival takeover offer from Together Leeds, the, the group led by Mike Farnan. They've been in the background watching, really, since um, since they wrote to the Football League a couple of weeks ago to ask for help in dealing with, with Gulf Finance House. And, you know, they've argued all along that the deal is funded, that they, they can pay a similar price, if not identical price, to, to Chilino. But, I mean, that, to me, looks, looks fraught with problems. And, you know, aside from anything else, there are clearly big divisions between GFH and Together Leeds. They're clearly not two sides who, who get on particularly well. And there are aspects of the Chilino deal which really suit GFH. They, they get to keep a, a sizable shareholding which they can cash in if, if Leeds get promoted. Two, if not three, of the current board members will stay on with David Haig obviously moving to chief exec's position and um, Salah Nuruddin staying as, as chairman. And uh, above all else, everybody agrees that Chilino's paying a very, very good price for the club. It, people really say that it is probably on the high side for what the club is actually worth. So I don't think there's much motivation on their part to, to be dealing with other people, especially since Chilino's already made one payment and, and clearly wants this to go through. Other bidders in the background, not aware of any at the moment, but it's not to say there wouldn't be other, other parties. I think the concern, is, as always, with these things is that if it goes back to the start and you have to begin again the process of due diligence and, and negotiations, then does the club have enough money and enough scope to, to operate in the meantime? And you know the evidence of January was not promising uh, in that respect. Moving on to the players that we've got then, um, what do you think Wickham's going to bring in in terms of things that have been missing from Leeds? Well, he's an absolute battering ram when Leeds were down at Hillsborough. They're a really good game and I think I think people would agree he's quite inconsistent but when he plays well, he's very good in the air, very strong, real real handful for, for centre-backs in a way that, that Ross McCormack isn't as, you know, either as a lone striker or, or up front. McCormack's strengths are really getting into space, getting on to the end of chances. He's a, he's a difficult player to manage but I think physically um, Wickham's a totally different prospect and I think unlike somebody like Matt Smith for example is far more accustomed to the championship and you know knows this division better than Smith he's he's played more games at this level and at a higher level and I think for the running is probably going to offer more and, and offer the sort of goals that, that might just drag Leeds back into the running. He's also a number nine, and I mean, amazing to think that we're in, you know, coming up to March, and, and this is the first time Leeds have had a number nine since Steve Morrison went to Millwall. So, you know, a position filled in that respect, and the sort of signing that they, they really should be making. I just think it's unfortunate that it wasn't a deal they were doing, you know, three or four weeks ago. Do you think maybe um, this is more of a sign of the calibre of player that McDermott would have liked to have got perhaps in the summer had he not been embroiled, obviously, in all the takeover turmoil and all the rest of it? I think so. I think so. I mean, it was quite interesting when he was talking about Jack Butland um, over the weekend. He was saying that he, he wanted a potential replacement or, or deputy for Paddy Kenny in the summer and wasn't able to do it because he didn't have the money. And and really, right the way through the season, certainly since Jamie Ashton got injured in, in August again, They've been operating, you know, in a position where they're really one injury to Kenny away from a crisis, and that's pretty much how it was last week. And Butland's come in now. I mean, Butland realistically isn't the sort of player they can expect to sign if they don't go up because he's better than the Championship, and you know, he's talking about going to the World Cup in the summer. But yeah, I, I do think that's fair, and I do think that's right. I, I would qualify that a bit by saying that that the signings McDermott has made in the main, have not been great and have, have not really hit it off this season in the way they might have done. But at the same time, 
I don't doubt at all that there were other players he wanted, that, that he didn't have the scope to do what he really wanted to do. And that, for my money, is why I'd like to see him given another season. I know it's not been great this year. I know the results haven't been brilliant recently. But I do think, given his track record and everything else, that before making a change or thinking about making a change, they really have to work out whether whether he can do something here in, in good circumstances and, uh, and with all things equal. Because as much as I don't want to make excuses for the last month, to six weeks have been a complete joke and have been as unsettled here as anything I've ever seen and it can't be easy it can't be easy for, for him to handle and I just think with some calm water you get a far better impression of, of whether this is a job that he can make a go of So let's move into the transfer side of things Connor Wickham thumbs up definitely big thumbs up a bit surprised really I mean I don't know he has He's the, worth eight million pounds, Bosco. He, he reminded eight me million. That's eight Luke Murphys, and it's two and a bit Michael Ricketts, and that's the last sort of big Shit. name striker that we bought from a well signed from a northeast club, who kind of had a big transfer gone a little bit wayward. But um, I've seen Conor Wickham play this season, and he's not a beast. No, he's a lot younger, and he's actually twenty, um, so he's coming into form rather than. Watching his career die. Michael Ricketts wasn't even that old when he played for us, though, was he? He was, about, he was only about thirty. He's you, kind of, yeah, mm. but you say played. Did he really play? He's roughly the same age that Robin Van Persie is now. Robin Van Persie, Michael Ricketts. <laughs> Divergent paths in life. So we should tell David Moy that if he's looking for a, a new striker, Ricketts may still be available. Do you think he's still playing somewhere? You'd still be sat with that England cap on. (laughs) Down the pub. Look at this, everyone. (laughs) See, this is why we get the reputation for being a bunch of cynical bastards. We signed (laughs) probably the the most exciting striker that we've signed in years and immediately just like, yeah, but fucking Michael Ricketts, though. (laughs) I I did suggest we sign him on the forum ages ago. Michael Ricketts? (laughs) No, God, no. I would say either either Luciano or um, Wickham would be about as well as we could manage on on a loan. And sure enough, we've got one of them. Got to be delighted with Wickham over Luciano. A lot younger than him. No. Better yeah. with the ball at his no. feet. Scored more goals this season. Also no. Better looking. No. All of you are wrong. And plus we've got the added risk with Connor Wickham in that he's been uh, he scored 8 and 11 on loan for Sheffield Wednesday. And what do we know that happens with loan players at Leeds? They have good form on loan and then we sign them permanently and they turn terrible. And I don't know what the implication is going to be of somebody who's already had a good loan period somewhere else and then comes to us on loan are we going to go straight into the signed permanently shit bit or are we still going to get like no, it's we still, still got a good loan, loan period for us um, like with uh, Butland we've no chance of signing him no this is true you don't sign an 8 million pound teenager to sell him at 20 just when he gets good to Leeds for nothing do you remember when 8 million pounds bought you like a world star rather Seth than a, a speculative buy from the championship things have moved on since we were in the premiership <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a frightful world out there, isn't oh, it? We paid uh, six million for Viduka, didn't we? And um, four and a half for Huckabee. Wow. What was, yeah. And it was four and a half each for Brookerby and Hedges, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Indeed. No, yes, you're right. What a partnership, them two. Well, well, let's look at it one way. It's upset the Wednesdayites as this. Mm. So You got, upset the Wednesdayites. Yes. I looked on Twitter this oh, afternoon. One of them in particular. You, you, <laughs> idiot child. It was like you'd waded into some secondary school in Sheffield and just called them all wankers and run away. And stuck one of them's head down no, the bottom. No, the, no, the judge said I wasn't allowed back in after the last time. Which was the one that you really upset? What was his name? Oh, you mean Paul Little? It was Joseph SWFC1 who uh, took particular umbrage to the suggestion that uh, Conor Wickham might sign for Leeds on loan. Did he not call you an idiot? 
for suggesting such a thing. <laughs> yeah, You're wrong. He was, he was refusing to imagine it was happening, wasn't he? Or yeah. to allow that it was happening. In denial, is Connor Wickham poster still there proudly on his wall? It was great. Wasn't the the exact exchange ended up with him going, well, why? if it's happening, then why haven't Sunderland confirmed it? And either you or... I think it might have been Rob Mulholland who writes for the mag replied with just a picture of Connor Wickham holding a Leeds United <laughs> shirt with Wickham 9 on the back. Clearly photoshopped. Yeah, yeah it's great. Oh, if you, I mean, by the time you get, uh, you hear this podcast, it'll be too late, but at the moment, a search for L asterisk 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 S and Wickham <laughs> gets some great results on Twitter at the moment. They're not happy. He is scum. Subhuman scum. Happy with Jack Butland as well, of course. He is scum. <laughs> a scum bastard. Uh, one person we're not getting, despite us chucking all our eggs in his particular basket last time, Andrea Tabanelli, the beautiful, godlike uh, Italian. I say... Born in Ravenna. I say, fuck the police and sign him anyway. <laughs> we don't need to play him. Yeah. Well, I... Um... Get him on the front... You know the, the big pictures they have on the front of the club shop? Yeah. Someone who's normally gone, it's not Steve Morrison or someone. Put him on the side of the East Stand, <laughs> where the old uh, skip hire adverts used to be. Get the Hesco Bastion signs down, who just puts Tabanelli's face. I because like we Calvin Klein advert or something. We were a little bit confused about where he'd come from. Yeah, he I was certainly move. felt confused after seeing those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> he had a move from Siena on loan to Cagliari. And then to us on loan, and that's been cancelled. So I was like, I wondered where he was playing his football. So I went and had a look on his Twitter, his Instagram accounts, and rather than return to either of those clubs, he appears to have just fucked off to the beach with a beautiful woman. That's all, all these pictures are just I, I blue sky, I yellow him. sand, I gorgeous him. girl. I love him even more. I'd say. We, can we just, a bit like Becchio in Yarmouth. Except he's got a contract, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, people we did get out were Varney finally went. Um, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> what a idiot. And Green has <laughs> gone to Ipswich. We need well. to emphasise that Luke Varney is an idiot because he became he, he became a hate figure briefly after again um, yeah I mean let's look at all the hate crimes with Varney one the miss against Southampton two uh, refusing to clap the fans at Hillsborough and then three uh, refusing to play to get the Rovers move and then four now he's gone to Blackburn there was a the headline Varney I never refused to play to get Rovers move. And so he's told the story of what actually happened. He says, basically, I said to the manager that I was worried about getting injured, but if, that if he did choose to play me, that I would give 100%. So why, why did he do that? I just thought I'd mention it as I didn't want him thinking my mind wasn't completely on the game. So you've just told him, <laughs> you've just told Brian McDermott that you're worried about getting injured because of your transfer to Blackburn. So you just space it. My mind isn't completely on the game because I'm worried about getting injured. And you told him that because you didn't want him thinking that your mind wasn't completely on the game and that maybe you were worried about getting injured. Idiot. Dumb. He's a, he really is. We can say it now he's a Blackburn player, as dumb as he looks. And what he looks like is a pineapple <laughs> with a dumb face. Also rumoured to be after Robbie McDade from Glenarvan. Glenavon, excuse my poor... To say Ireland... Even though it's not. Over that way. It's northern. Yeah. To the I'm t- trying to get you into trouble. Yes, I know you are. Um, Brian. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Seems keen. Well, any, any on earth these these. Gems, these he? diamonds in the rough. These Noel Hunts. <laughs> you say Noel's a bit rough? <laughs> don't know, don't know. Let's not do that. Racist. Well, you know, he's cheap. <laughs> I would imagine anyway. Well, Brian uh, said that he met him and his parents the other day, and he's a lovely lad. So that's all right. He's made a friend, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. We're not signing you. I'm having yeah. a barbecue. <laughs> After all, had Juf, the more lovely lads, the better. Matt Smith, lovely lad. Yeah, if we've got a team of lovely lads, I mean... Um, They're not a great bunch of lads. Lovely leads. Exactly. Lovely leads. Neil Warnock, lovely. Neil Warnock used to say, can't fault their effort, they're a great bunch of lads. Say, can't fault their loveliness. Lovely leads. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's the new It's the new strapline, lovely leads. Alex Mowat's in the under-19s, isn't he? No, Blake's going to kill him. Ross He's McCormack, boss of the under-19s. Ross McCormack called up for Scotland in their new uh, humbug-striped, bizarre, pink, yellow away kit thing. I believe it refer- it calls back to their original sort of like eighteen seventies eighteen eighties kit. It was in black and white. All right, <laughs> so the colours weren't as bad. Yeah, I think it look. I think Roberts and Ross will look nice in that. And also, uh, Marius Jalukas has been called up for Lithuania. I forgot about him. And obviously, we could see him in action against England in the in the Euro qualifiers, marking Rooney out the game. Exactly. Just what like what's happened to him. Oh, really? He's, had a, just, he's had a just got a massive pair eyes. Well, Marius just had a little holiday, hasn't he? Bit of time off. Well, yeah, he had to recover from... Um, I, it must have hit him halfway through the Sheffield Wednesday game that he had actually signed a permanent contract with Leeds United. And so he needed a little break afterwards to kind of get his head back together. He'll be all right. Hey, do you want to play at Ellen Road? No. I was like watching football there. It's I was not hoping my for, business. I was hoping for the answer. Just say yes. Uh, okay. Why do you want me to do things I don't Why? want to do? You're a set of bastards. Hey, do you want to play Ellen Road? Yes! Well, you can do now. Oh, good. Is it free? No. <laughs> no, I don't. It costs a fucking fortune. <laughs> He's talked me out of it. I'm with Moscow now. I'm not even, I don't even like going to watch football. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking dreadful most of the time. Can we... What are the... Because uh, what this is, is they're, they're now hiring out Ellen Road like a cheap leisure centre. <laughs> It's from um, from the very day that the season ends, they're saying 
They said, don't worry, it, they won't arrange any of this to interfere with our playoff matches, but you can hire Ellen Drode in like three-hour slots with a qualified referee, there's, there's drinks included, and you can just get a couple of teams and have a game. I've just booked the 18-yard box for a game of badminton. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk goalkeepers. Um, we've signed Jack Butland, England goalkeeper. He's on loan now till the end of the season. In issue seven of the mag as well, we have a couple of nice features on Nigel Martin, who was voted Leeds United's best ever goalkeeper. Let's talk about the big Cornishman. It's, it's funny how this worked out. We may as well talk about that as well. It made me smile that in times of trouble, which this magazine was compiled during times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me. Mother Martin comes to me or at least comes to our writers because I got an email from Adam Jubb who does Fear and Loathing in LS11 website and writes for us and he said that with everything that was going on he didn't want to write about Cellino and GFH and all that kind of nonsense he wanted to turn to something purer something more to do with the soul of Leeds United so he was going to write an article about Nigel Martin and I said brilliant that sounds good and then about 20 minutes later I got an email from Another of our contributors. Can we can we could just call Eamon a mere contributor? He's more like a lion. He's the glue that holds us together. He's, he's the kid who designs it for no money, anyway. <laughs> with a finished article and a picture about Nigel Martin. And so I had to tell him, so, well, I've just said to Adam, well, we can, he's writing about Nigel Martin, and now you've written about Nigel Martin. It's like, there's going to be a lot of Nigel Martin in this. And then we thought, you know what? There'll be a lot of Nigel Martin in the magazine. Great. So we got two wonderful articles about Nigel Martin because he's a wonderful, wonderful man. It seems that when things like Massimo Cellino are sacking your manager, what do you think of? I think of Nigel Martin, big Cornish hands. Holders, Nigel. His reliable head. Reliable fringe. His his moustache that sadly didn't come with him from Crystal Palace to Leeds. You think of the time he was on... Who was the guy? Was it Derek Jacob that used to have a... TV chat show and the Crystal Palace squad sang their song live and uh, Nigel Martin with his moustache and John Pemberton in his shell suit are there singing with the squad. It's good. I've just remembered that I've made some animated gifts of that that I haven't ever put on the internet. These need to see the light of day and <laughs> Purely now. for my own enjoyment. And all those wonderful things about Nigel Martin, it's made me think it might be nice for us to talk about him. Indeed. Well, he, he was the first £1 million goalkeeper um, in this country and I remember thinking I mean back in the days when 2.25 million pounds was quite a lot of money in football uh, when we signed him I thought oof that's a lot of money but absolutely worth every penny I think he's probably one of my favourite I mean from my lifetime anyway favourite Leeds players if not in definitely in the top three there is um, a line I still miss him a line from Adam in his article where he says that striking apart he was Howard Wilkinson's greatest ever signing and um, I think there's some truth in that he also then goes on about the sadness that Howard Wilkinson immediately got sacked and never got to benefit from him. And I think that's the problem with Nigel Martin, is a lot of it is we didn't benefit enough. Howard Wilkinson didn't benefit from signing him. We didn't benefit from having him because we sold him. It's just good that we actually had him for a bit. We could have had him for so much longer. It wasn't a case of us selling him. It was more a case of Terry Venables not liking him. I think it was, a younger man. against the backdrop of the financial meltdown as well, I think, and I, I dare say it was a case of ship out anybody and everybody, especially with Robinson waiting in the wings. Well, we thought we had another England goalkeeper to replace one England goalkeeper, and I suppose he did play for England, but he did also chuck his ball in the net when he played for England, did poor fat Robbo. <laughs> and we had Scott Carson as well. So, like, well, we don't need three 
England goalkeepers, so we may as well let Everton have one. We may as well give away the best one. <laughs> I must admit, at the time we let him go, I wasn't as upset as, on reflection, I should have been, because I did think, well, Robinson's good and he's younger and mm. we've got to keep him happy. And then we got relegated and everyone had to leave anyway, so... <laughs> In reflection, maybe we should have kept Martin for at least another year. My, my memories are mainly for ever of the George Graham 38-0-0 season, where for as unspectacular as that season was, Nigel Martin was the one aspect of it which was actually outstanding. Cause mm. he, he did keep for, us in that for, league. For all those nil-nils, a lot of them would have been one or two nil defeats without him. Steve Freeman has tweeted, he's at uh, 3 January 2010 on the old Twitter, saying keeping he remembers him keeping a magnificent clean sheet against us when he was with Everton and the cop singing Nigel, Nigel, give us a goal. He put in such a stellar performance that day, I can remember it. That was one of the games that kind of helped slide us down the table towards relegation. So, well, because Everton finished four points ahead of us that season as yeah. well. When we sold him, I was like, you, we had that kind of cocky bravado of like, well, we've got Robbo, we've got Carso, we don't need him, we don't need old man Martin. And then it quickly, it turned out he may well have been the difference in like the last 10 years, that if we kept Martin for one or two more seasons, we would have stayed up. Everton, crucially, might have been that little bit worse. They could have gone down. David Moyes would not have taken over at old... Well, <laughs> so not everything was bad. Well, on a more serious note, uh, Nigel E-E-E-Z-Z-Z-Z makes this point on Twitter that if we hadn't sold him to Everton, we probably wouldn't have gone down that season. Yes, and it's probably... Right, and it's almost scary to think of how different history could have been. Remember when we signed him? I was really pleased because I, I'd, as a as a youngster, I had quite a strong dislike for John Lukic, which I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't bear in mind. I only started watching Leeds after the back pass rule was was in place. Ah. So my my entire time watching Leeds was of shit John Lukic, not good John Lukic, and I, to the extent that I actually preferred Mark Beanie. I was going to say your shit John Lukic was mixed with shit Mark Beanie <laughs> Mark Beanie's son is now a, an England under-19s goalkeeper or something Really? Yeah Jimmy Hasselbank's son is scoring a lot of goals in Scotland We're all getting old <laughs> I remember John Lukic first time round <laughs> <laughs> Can you ever remember Nigel Martin actually making an error? I, I remember can't. one against Liverpool He ran out of his box and missed it Or he missed it a clearance or something I think mm. McManaman scored from it That's about the only one I can remember he was a joy to watch, really, wasn't he? Ferdinand had a bit of that for a while where he just wouldn't make any mistakes. Woodgate would. That's because he was young and frequently distracted. But yeah, Nigel was just... Yeah, not, it wouldn't be his fault for a goal. Some he just couldn't save. There'd be at least two or three great saves. And Alec Mattinson on Twitter has pointed out that his first game at Elland Road was in a monsoon against Sheffield Wednesday and he made a save to deny Carlton Palmer a diving header OG that defied belief. So if he could even deal with Carlton Palmer heading the ball at him when they were on the same team, he's the guy's a god in my eyes. Yeah, of course, we threw this out to social media, Twitter specifically, uh, this afternoon. Some, some fun responses back as well as serious ones. I think this is very serious business from Andy Watson. says that Nigel Martin winked at me outside Malmaison when he was at the height of his powers. A wink from Nigel at the height of his powers would be worth something to me. In a, in a similar vein, um, Lou J91 once met him at Hollywood Bowl in Kirkstall and he was, he was 10 and he was starstruck. I think I'd probably be starstruck now and I'm in my mid-30s if I met Nigel Martin. Please. I don't really get starstruck. But Spe- the- speaking of being starstruck, actually, given my previous um, dislike for John Lukic, a few years ago I went on a Radio Leeds programme and John Lukic was sat next to me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mention it. Wasn't that when we we tasked you 
to get an interview with him for the magazine. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. Possibly, yeah. Didn't he actually, like, straight refuse? Um, I can't remember. John Lukic was always quite a funny character. There was always this, Well, there was one, the rumours that he'd been born from the wreckage of the Munich disaster, even though there was, there was absolutely no correlation of dates. He wasn't born until something like 1964. It was basically just because his name was Lukic and it sounded a bit Polish. And his real name was Joven, that's worth knowing. Very much like Chris Furclough's real name is Courtney. And, and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank being Gerald. Gerald. And also he used to go into a trance before games. He would <laughs> sit in the dressing room, staring straight ahead. Nobody could speak to him. He wouldn't speak to anybody else. Did it last a little bit too long up at Glasgow Rangers? <laughs> Maybe so. It's almost a shame for Lukic that Nigel Martin existed because Lukic should be the best keeper that we've had in the last quarter century since Harvey. What about Graham Stack? <laughs> Remember him? Nigel Martin and Lukic has got the title Tony winning Warner set a name in shit goalkeepers well Tony Warner's the one that we kept signing on loan isn't he every time we had an injury Tony Warner would just pitch up on Jason loan Jason Brown no it's Jason Brown is who I'm, I'm thinking, thinking of, of. <laughs> hey, imagine this for a second then as uh, Gary Kay who's uh, Shay Kay on Twitter says I used to teach his son it was a very strange experience on parents evening Nigel is a decent bloke now imagine that for a second you're in, you're in work and Nigel Martin walks in and you don't want to talk to him about his kids progress do you? Oh, the kid's fine yeah. Yeah. He's fine. anyway Nigel tell me about football I brought some stuff for you to sign yeah. it's the difference between getting an A and a D you just sign that and that and that this one tickled my funny bone as well Stephen Clarkson who's uh, S Clarkson Leeds on Twitter says uh, I once bumped into him in a restaurant granted not the most exciting memory but what can you do <laughs> fair enough it's all about the aura with Nigel he's like he's got a saintly aura about him just a big Confident, nice, awe-inspiring nice goalkeeper. Well. Yeah. I mean, he had a, a bit of a sort of a bog brush tash in his <laughs> Bristol Rovers. It's um, had an impact on you, this tash, hasn't it? <laughs> it was a, one of the defining tashes of the late 80s, early 90s. And it's worth... I'd not heard this before, but Adam Jubb in his article pulled up the story of how Nigel Martin became a footballer. Do we know this? Yes. Because you've read it in the square ball. I knew yes. it anyway. I know these things. That he... He was discovered by the Bristol Rovers tea lady who had gone on holiday to uh, Cornwall and saw him playing for St Blasey and invited him to the club for a trial. When he showed up, Jerry Francis... I'll be honest, that's, I've not I read this. That's not actually the story I'd heard. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, this ends with Jerry Francis sending him to work with the reserves and then within minutes, the coach calling Francis over to take a look and then within a week, starting for the Bristol Rovers first team. Now, maybe you can tell us the truth. I thought he'd been spotted by a carpet salesman for some reason. Carpet salesman or Bristol Rovers tea lady? Who then told Bristol, you need to come and have a look at this guy because he's brilliant. Who knows? Well, you see, that's the... The The myth behind the man. (laughs) (laughs) You see, he looks like a big reliable sound bloke, but then you realise he's a bit like he's the Don Draper of Leeds United goalkeepers. What what is his backstory? Which farm did he grow up on? Did he grow up in a whorehouse ruled with a Christian iron rod? Where is his brother? Did his brother fall out of a window? I'm just recounting the whole plot of Mad Men now. Um, <laughs> Should we move on uh, and bag to Nigel Martin? Um, Amitai Winehouse, who, who writes for our fanzine and does stuff for us, says, I once did a fun run with his son. We talked about how I dropped Paul Robinson for him on Champ Manager 4. Yes. Writing those wrongs. <laughs> that was one of the good things about computer games is you could you can just correct those things you can re-sign Luciano Becchio you can not sell Nigel Martin in 2004 you can never sign Seth Johnson and Robbie Fowler all sorts of things you can do you can force Harry Kewell to retire 
whatever else you like. Well, speaking of Kewell and in keeping with these often fabled uh, meetings at petrol stations in North Yorkshire that seem to pop up on uh, various Leeds United forums at various times, uh, Gareth underscore Metcalf says, once saw him at the Shell Garage on Harrogate Road, asked him about Harry Kewell's fitness and he just laughed. I'm 99% certain that it was Nigel Martin who was asked about Harry Kewell's move to Galatasaray and said, basically, Harry can do what he likes, but I don't think any Leeds player should have made that move. And uh, Which is about as near as you're going to get from somebody who is obviously considerably nicer man than me to saying Harry Kewell's a fucking wanker. Mr. Gary C. Music on Twitter, once Simon Costco says he was buying toilet rolls in bulk. I'd expected more like memories of great saves yeah. <laughs> and, you know, match-winning performances. This is a man who appreciates value as well as talent. True. His qualities are endless. He also got to wear one of um, the best goalkeeping kits we've had in, in recent years with those two shades of green and then the, the black at the top. This is another thing where Lukic was unlucky because the previous season he'd had to wear that black one with the little rainbow triangles on, mm. which is one of the worst. And the away kit was even worse. The first season for Martin, though, was that green one with the, the Puma one with the yellow kind of quarters. Oh, yeah. with, and there was a purple away version of that the that he had to wear right. as well. Uh, Tom Hooper, who's Thom Hoops on, uh, on Twitter, says uh, he's the greatest Cornish footballer of all time. Can you mention that, please? Well, we've, we've done that now. Do you think that sums him up? Do you think that's what he'll be known as? The greatest accolade I can give the man. The, only, the question is, I mean, part of the, uh, the excitement of of um, recent times on the pitch is Jack Butland who we did kind of gloss over in the news part everybody's all crazy for goalkeepers I mean what is it about Paddy Kenny that's made everybody lust for Nigel Martin and get really really excited about Jack Butland turning up I think maybe that it's the fact that he's got the Sheffield connections he's a bit of a wind up merchant yeah. he's, the, he's Warnock. Warnock Warnock Jr isn't he that's, yeah. the, that's um, the problem is it, there is you can stop there if you want <laughs> <laughs> there is something about when he is always laughing and joking with the opposition strikers. It's very kind of Warnock Jr.-esque. Mm. I mean, it's nice that he's having a nice time. But there was one game where it was, I think it was Nottingham Forest away last year where we got done 4-2 ridiculously and we were already like 3-1 down or whatever. And for a corner, there was Kenny and Brown laughing with their striker as if going, ah, see if you can score past us. Uh, and it's like, they've already scored three. And then they got another one, and they're still just like, yeah, but, you know, Neil says that, you know, the goals don't count. Uh, and just something, They all sound like Warnock as well. When did you last hear Paddy Kenny say anything? I don't know, he's a, he's a strangely aloof character. We should like him. Well, you, you may recall, I mean, it, it will be some way back in the, the archive of our podcasts now, but you will recall I met him when I was DJing one night in Sheffield, and he was mm. out with his mates, um, and he was very approachable. Did you did you kind of at any point mock like make a move as if you were going to bite his eyebrows off just to see if he'd flinch? I didn't. I thought about it, but okay. in the end decided it was probably not the right way to keep my job. <laughs> Do you think the person who did bite his eyebrows off lost their job? I don't imagine they had one in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Nigel Martin then. Perhaps a barometer of what Leeds United fans are, are truly like is that when we put this out to Twitter... The response about what people loved most about Nigel Martin was a reference to his tastes in pornography. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. I don't think anybody else had. Yes. Even on the prep sheet. Yes. A, f- a favourited tweet can last last a long time. And I'm sure it was just a, a bug on Twitter. It was hacked, wasn't it? Somebody, somebody got into his account and favourited a pornographic picture. 
which obviously is the first thing you would do after spending hours hacking into somebody's <laughs> account, I will favourite one pornographic picture and then leave. For anybody who's not familiar with said picture, can you possibly describe in a in a family-friendly way what that was a picture of that got hacked, favourited by accident? Has anyone ever seen a, a, a plasterer's radio? <laughs> it was, yes, it was a... Uh, it was a, a lady being showered with love, I think, is probably the right way to, to describe it, by many people. It wasn't, it, well, there weren't, those other people weren't necessarily pictured on the photograph, but if it was one, if it was one gentleman, then... Uh, <laughs> respect. <laughs> respect to the man. Um, but fitting for a man who spent so long himself under semen. Coming up. All getting a bit tedious now, isn't it? We're on telly again. We're on TV more than EastEnders. We're on against Forest as well, aren't we? That's been moved for telly. Why wouldn't it be moved for telly? It's us. We're playing a game. It Why must isn't Bolton be on telly? That's a good question. Maybe there's still time. Mm. <laughs> well, anyway, first up, QPR on Saturday away on the telly. Harry, got to be a bit unhappy there. Still a couple of players short, would you argue? Yeah, one yeah. or two. One or two. You've got to build a squad, haven't you? You can't just have a team. You've got to have a squad. Or two squads, in his case. <laughs> You just need three or four players for each position. <laughs> That's all you need. Ravel Morrison's gone there now, hasn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. So he's there as well. Yeah. The guy who was being touted for the England squad. Yeah. Not I long ago. three seasons yes. last week. Did you hear about his, the sort of reason for his move to Yes, QPR? I did. Strange. I haven't. Tell me. Kevin Nolan and Sam Allardyce kept basically pressuring him to sign with their agent, and he didn't, and he's then moved. Right, that sounds... So read uh, between the lines... <laughs> But now he's gone, so he, sick of all the corruption in modern football. <laughs> he's gone to someone who he knows will play it straight. That's good to hear. That is great And to he's hear. gone to work with Harry. Is, he, um, is Morrison a striker? He's a modern, wide-attacking player. Because well, I had a look at their strikers list. Oh, they've hardly got any. <laughs> well, they've hardly got any that can score. That's part of the hilarious thing. I mean, Charlie Austin's got 14. And then Andrew Johnson, 2. Kevin Doyle. Kevin Doyle's only been there for about three games, to be fair. Yeah, not all of these have played very many. Tom Hitchcock, one. Modibo Mayego, one. William Keane, who I believe is son of... is that Robbie Keane? Is he... I thought he was... Oh, no, it's Michael Keane that's his, uh, That's the Man United connection, isn't it? So it's just some random Keane. He hasn't scored. Bobby Zamora. From, I think he might be on from Spurs. England's Bobby Zamora, none. Javier Chavanton. was really good on champ manager in about... 2002. No goals. And then Mo Sharif. No goals. Omar Sharif. And then Ravel Morrison. Sharif don't like it. No goals. <laughs> it's ridiculous, given that we've been going all season with Ross McCormack, Matthew Smith. Well, I suppose Varney and Juve. I'm not even counting Varney. Juve is just a beach ball now. <laughs> and um, Polion is a winger masquerading as a striker or a striker masquerading as a winger. No one's entirely sure. And no hunt. Who? Exactly. So, you know, it's all a little bit mean. I mean, they still have Brazil's first choice goalkeeper, not even on the bench. And uh, near, near LUFC, low knee, Chilino style. But if you look at what um, is keeping them near the top of the table, best defence in the league, and who is at the heart of that central defence? I imagine it's a young, sprightly pair. Richard Dunn of uh, Ireland and Aston Villa fame. and oh, Owns a sports centre in Bradford as well. What else does Clint Hill own, apart from Neil Warnock's heart? Clint Hill sounds like a cowboy, or a country star. How are you possibly connecting a cowboy to Neil Warnock? 
No, I can't see it. No, <laughs> can't join the dots. Sorry. But he was all he was always adamant. Clint Hill to Leeds, and all our problems would be over. Even Clint Hill to Barcelona, and all their problems would be over. And he was right. He wanted to sign Clint Hill on a three-year deal as well. So in two years' time, we would have been able to watch Warnock and Clint Hill still lining up together on the left side of that defence. Uh, well, it's working for QPR. Yeah, but QPR are idiots. Look at them. Do you think we're going to beat them? Look what they've... No, of course we won't beat them. Have you seen their squad? <laughs> Barton's suspended, so they're going to have to play somebody else. He'll have to get a couple of players in on loan to cover Barton's <laughs> absence. Wait, the wicker man will step up. Debut goal, counter-attacking football, width, pace, effectiveness crosses I've sadly forgotten the name of whoever it was posted it on our Facebook page this afternoon but in response to Wickham's signing somebody said no it's all a mistake it's our new sponsors they're a wicker making basket company <laughs> or wicker basket making company even it's a it's a strategic partnership I think you'll find yes um, <coughs> well knowing Al it's probably just alone and then they want all their baskets back because we put all our uh, egg, eggs we just got one yeah. <laughs> and we put all our eggs into them um, have you managed to get a ticket yet Michael yes Oh, well done. Yes, Success. So you, you, had a, you, had, last you, you had a drunk away day planned, but without a ticket. Yes, correct. I was oh, just going to go all the way to London and watch it in a pub was going to be the plan. But now I have a ticket, which is nice, because it means I'll, I'll get a short break from drinking <laughs> during the game. Excellent news. Uh, Bolton at home follows the QPR match. Obviously, on the back of the victory at Loftus Road, back at Ellen Road after a few games away, ready to impress with our new uh, striker, Mm-hmm. As a measure of how bad they are, um, I sit next to a Bolton fan at work, and today he was saying he'd gladly take Gary Megson back. <sighs> Goodness me! But little Dougie Friedman, yeah, no. what's wrong with is him? Is he still there? To explain, he also I said so, he also wanted Pulis earlier in the season. Well, Crystal Palace doing all right with him, aren't they? I know, but there's a time you've got to think: what are we even going to this sport for? <laughs> if you already had Allardyce and. Buddy Megson, then you want Pulis as well. Well, it's almost just give it up. Go watch something else. It's like a bit of Stockholm syndrome with Bolton because he had so many years of Allardyce that now with Dougie Friedman trying to put in, they play some faddy formation. Three four three. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, and it doesn't work for them either. But they're trying to like passing the ball around, and he's wearing a little pullover and um, saying things like you know, called, calling it a project and being very sincere. A and bit like Eddie Howe. Yeah, but a more palatable one because he's a bit more like, um, it's like if Eddie Howe was in Gregory's Girl, it's basically Dougie Friedman. And they just don't understand it. They just want it lumping at Kevin Davies. Has, has your Bolton supporting brethren um, said anything about getting Kevin Davies back? He would love he's him back. He's not there, is he? Well, exactly. He's that's why he wants him not. back. That's why he wants him back. Bring him home. Um, yeah, he would love him back. Did he just straight retire? No, he's at no, um, Preston. Preston. He's got Simon Grossen. Really? He's in charge of him. So he's even he's just down the road? Yeah. So they don't even have to, like, he he just needs to drive a different way into training. In the he morning. would ideally, I think, have Allardyce as manager, John McGinley and um, <laughs> Kevin Davis up front. There's probably an argument. With Mixu Patalainen on the bench. That if um, and you see Jaskalainen in goal. Obviously. In fact, they've got Lonigan, haven't they? They could probably just start training as if Kevin Davies was still in the team and get the ball onto his head with him still being at Preston's training ground. <laughs> Try that as a tactic. The most important question in all this is what do whoscored.com think of uh, of Bolton? Well, interesting information is that uh, whoscored.com, still not sponsoring us, but you know, Never still, um, Bastards. still a fantastic source of uh, statistical information and I'm really enjoying their most likely formation tool at the moment. 
but that's not what I use for this. It just says that they are very weak at defending, very weak, mind you, because they have the weaknesses, and then the very weak, very weak at defending attacks down the wings. Oh, since- if only we had wingers. We do. We do. Ah, it's well- fine. This is the game when Kebby and Stewart turn everything round for everybody. Connor Wickham, because if you think about it, if you think, what was our attack at the beginning of December? It was Ross McCormack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. now our attacking group is Ross McCormack, Connor Wickham, Kebby, and Cameron Stewart. And all of them are probably internationals and computer games. And Kebby, he's got like 99 pace. Stewart, 78 potential. Connor Wickham, like a million England under 21 caps and like lift, he won the two long cup. And Ross McCormack is patron saint of Scotland. He wrote that Burns song. So it couldn't be better. And it's completely different. It's all new. And because Bolton are really weak down the wings, it's the game. It's going to be, they're going to take it in turns to run to the byline, cross, Wickham head down, McCormack score. I think even Rudy Austin is going to get a goal from this, from a Connor Wickham knockdown, from a Jimmy Kebe cross that has been headed back over by Cameron Stewart. Comprehensive home defeat. Then um, <laughs> on to Reading on the Tuesday at home. Are we on Sky for this one? Probably. Probably. They'll probably pretend it, pretend it is. Just show one of our other games. They'll show our game against QPR because it'll be the same kits. <laughs> yes, they might. They might do that. Um, this will be the, the, the Brian McDarby. They're sixth, just below QPR. They're not too bad, are they, really? They've done that thing of going up and coming down again, so they've got loads of money, and they've got a um, really boring manager, who we could have had. Would Nigel we, Powerpoint. Would we trade it in? Because there's a little bit of there's some movement against McDermott at the moment. A lot of people losing faith. I don't know. I think maybe these new signings, Butland, Connor Wickham, are, as I said to Phil Hay earlier, on a, perhaps a barometer of what he would like to have done earlier in the season, and maybe we can judge him more with greater quality it's at a his bit Going on to the sort of thing Simon Grayson said at the uh, event in Sherburne that we went to, where he was saying, I wasn't stupid. I, know, I knew who I needed to sign. I just couldn't sign them. The problem is, though, we can only see what McDermott's wanted to do, now he's able to do it. If we'd had Nigel Atkins in the first place instead of Brian McDermott, we would have had regular PowerPoint reports showing us what he was planning and what he intended to do. Targets, actions that have to be carried out to achieve those targets. We need to step change our attacking formations. Exactly. Whereas with McDermott, he just comes on and says, well, yeah, I've been working on some uh, different formations in training with the lads and we've been working really hard and if we stay together as a group, then... I'm really confident that uh, we can do something. You don't really know what he's on about. It's come out going to be five three two, four three three, three four three. We'd have all this set down, possibly with uh, maybe a joke or two thrown in, maybe a, a deliberately on accidental on purpose slide of him at the beach with uh, with old Nigel Atkins. But we just have to guess. So this is as well as being the McDarby with uh, and the McKebby Derby. Is that because he's He's got, not Scottish as far as I'm aware. <laughs> he's got history with Reading though. Called Jimmy. But it is also <laughs> <laughs> It is also the battle of the two of the man who is our manager and the man who could have been our manager if history had been different and more boring. Whoscored.com. Uh, yeah. Reckon what they're very strong at finishing the, scoring chances. Yeah. Which sounds bad. It depends on who's in defence, but um we didn't cope that well with that Connor Wickham when we played against him. Whoscored.com also says that they attack down the right a lot through Gareth McCleary. So we need to hope he gets injured before turning up or that um, Stephen Warnock isn't playing and neither is Danny Pugh and Tony DeRigo's back. 
If Bolton can have Kevin Davies back, we can have Tony Dorigo. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who has contributed to our ongoing state of misery as Leeds United fans. Ken Bates? Been quiet, hasn't he? Too quiet. Well, no, actually, no. I, I know why I'm going to nominate him. He's been back in Leeds because he's here to oversee the launch of Radio Yorkshire. When's it launching? Soon. <laughs> and what's going to be on it? Music. Old <laughs> 80s music that's probably quite cheap to pay the royalties for. The best hits. That kind of thing. Why is he doing it? He's doing it because he's a spiteful old man. <laughs> but, I'm bored, so I've started a radio station. But, but isn't he aware of the existence of, of ham radio? He could just get a transmitter on the roof of his apartment, of his block of flats in Monaco, and just do CB broadcasts or whatever. That was a karaoke hour. Ken's oh, yeah, good boy. <laughs> Ten four. Rubber duck. We've got a, we've got a convoy straight down to the uh, to the beach. Is Susanna in the back? What are you doing, Ken? No, I ain't. I'm on air. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I, th- I knew what that Ben used to do. Don't anyway. Fucking pay for him for. <laughs> Who else are we nominating? Luke Varney. I know. Yeah. I th- he might- did he get a nomination at the time for not playing? Didn't we, we, we lumped him in last time with our multi, multi-award winners? I think this time he needs to be nominated for his pathetic attempt at... Arse covering, uh, ex- yeah, yeah. backtracking, which just made him sound even more stupid. I'm not saying I don't want to play, and I, and I, I, I probably will try. I do. <laughs> if you do pick me, I'm not saying I don't want to babysit your kids. But I do have a string of offences to my name. <laughs> and there was the great bit in in Varney. It's up to you. It's up to you. Though, I mean, we just want to say for the record that was a, a parallel, uh, an example we were drawing. I'm not saying that Luke. Uh, Varney is in any way would fail a CRB check. He's an excellent babysitter. Just not a very good footballer. <laughs> I, I want to nominate the drummer at Middlesbrough. All drummers. Yes. I don't not, know. In ba- not the ones in bands, the ones in football grounds. They sound good when it's abroad. I don't see why people complain about it being transplanted here. It's I'll exciting. You, no, it's I'll atmosphere. tell you why. It's because they're in soulless, flat pack, identikit stadium. They didn't yeah. build the stadium. They are otherwise silent, and it is a false attempt to create an atmosphere. Well, what and is all it you false? hear is. Thud, echo. They had thud, some songs. Echo, thud. There are about thirty Shit of them songs. singing. Yeah. I think you can't. Well, in, when you see it abroad, there's a big, angry crowd of Argentinians, and it goes boom, boom, boom. And someone goes, and it's a, there's a big. But it's only because big, you can't uh, understand what they're saying. They're actually they're, they're <laughs> no. That but in Middlesbrough, it goes boom, boom, boom. Boom, well, boom, just, boom. Some of them sing. Let me hear you say away. <laughs> they don't understand. The Argentinian crowds that you worship, it's boom, boom, boom. And then one of them's like, what's your favourite fruit? And they're just like, oranges. It's boring. It's no more. It's just, it what sounds exotic. It's in, it's, it's, <laughs> what's it's your favourite fruit? <laughs> if you are lumbered with a soulless flat pack stadium that you did not build but that your club built for you and said, go on there, you like it. I don't see why trying to make it better is a bad thing. They end up looking silly and it sounds annoying. But it's always the people who are watching on telly that are annoyed by it. And it's like, if you're there... No, it's, no, no, it's no. terrible in the ground. It's worse. If there's someone next to me sat with a drum, he wouldn't be drumming for long. I'd like to nominate. Well, I would in- like. I'd like to nominate Moscow White for thinking that drums are vaguely acceptable in a football ground. How Was have the you Eng- How have the England band... Survived for so They're long. They're fucking horrible. Everyone hates them. Because <laughs> Every- they're sponsored by a pie company to fucking go into and they, stadiums. And they were brought in in the first place to stop England fans singing horrible songs. It was like, <laughs> oh, just play, 
Play something over the top of that song. Play The Great Escape. <laughs> Don't sing about the IRA. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd rather we were singing about the IRA? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nominating you, Moscow, for that shit. Yeah, the England band. Do you remember? I think it was the last tournament. They got banned. They weren't allowed into one of the grounds. Good. Yeah. And everyone was like, yes. But perfect. who? Was it the people who were there? Everyone. Yeah. At last, the end Percussion is shit in football. <laughs> Everyone always says, oh, if they were next to me, I'd fucking kill them. Somebody is next to them and doesn't. They must like them. Did Viva Pitch have a fucking drummer? That's why they weren't very good. If they had one, that daft blonde one at the back would have been able to dance in time. So you see, drummers are good in football grounds. No, they're not. They'd no. save Viva Pitch's career. You're an idiot. I used to play drums and I hate drums <laughs> in a football ground. Anyway, uh, nominations. Massimo Cellino. I'm not going moving beyond Moscow now. He's... <laughs> Massimo... no, there's no point. There's no point going through the others. Should we stop it there? I want to nominate Massimo Cellino because he no. sounds like Ken Bates in the future from everything oh, the like Calgary fans have said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being deliberately contrary. I genuinely don't see what the problem is in people trying to... You said it was a false attempt to create atmosphere. It's just an attempt to create atmosphere. He's having it, isn't Would he? Would you rather just sit there in silence? Who are you Sing! No- Sing! Sing. Oddie, who are you nominating? Moscow. <laughs> Why don't we all get our phones out and all make? We'll all play the same song on that, and all the communal noise. Well, that's noise. just the same as singing in time with each no, other. No, it's not. Of Michael, course, it is. Who are you nominating? Moscow. How so do you think I. people ever sang in time together? Somebody says, "Let's all sing this now," and then you all sing at the same time. It doesn't matter how it happens. It's just it's good that it happens. Well, three of us say you're having this award. You're fucking having this award. Do I get a drum? No. Any other business? Just another quick mention then of Mag Issue 7 that's out. Massimo Cellino on the cover. A brilliant drawing by... Chris Moran. Chris Moran. That's his name. Or Chris. Sea Dog. Chris Moran. <laughs> Your best mate, Chris. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a fantastic drawing. Um, you'll pick that up at the next home game at Ellen Road, which is at some distant time in the future. Why wait? Just go on the website and buy it. pound fifty. It's a quid if you get the digital download. It's definitely worth it. Let me fix the website first. I'm assuming you'll have done that by the time this gets out. <laughs> Possibly so, not. And there's loads of stuff about Chilino. Bobby Collins, remembered by Joe House John. We've got the articles about Nigel Martin that we mentioned. And um, it's definitely worth spending a quid to read. Amatai Winehouse's descriptions are being effectively stalked through the internet by Celine Patel. If you want to know how our club was being run by a committee via Twitter is the answer but um, the words that um, Amatai has written about it are his own words they weren't dictated to him by any club directors <laughs> <laughs> are definitely worth reading and absorbing and thinking about and there's an excellent piece by Rob Mulholland about how our new owner isn't mental enough our potential new owner yes yeah, he needs to be more mental that's good is that get that Ellen Road get it online at the squareball.net and um, I think we'll just wrap it up now then go stove Moscow's head in outside Stop it. Moscow. <laughs> Moscow. You love it. Sounds like a communist rally. Um, email. Exactly. Po- Atmosphere. Email podcast at the squareball.net. Tweet at the squareball. Find us on Facebook as well. We'll return in a fortnight. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And drummer boy. Up yours. And Hoddy. Bye. We'll catch you soon. Ta-ra. The Squareball Podcast.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.